Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. Kyle, if that's true, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. I'm Joe Marino of NDT Scouting and FanRag Sports, joined by Kyle Krabs, who's the founder and director of scouting with NDT Scouting, also with FanRag Sports, and we are your hosts here on a Wednesday edition of the Draft Dudes Podcast. Uh, Kyle and I have been looking forward to this day, and we don't have a big long lineup of topics today. We are going to focus on the polarizing prospect that is Wyoming quarterback Josh Allen. We'll get into that in just a second. But Kyle, welcome to this Hump Day edition. Welcome to the show, man. This uh, this will be fun. I'm sure we'll step on some toes here, but uh, <laughs> yes, we will. We're gonna try our best to be as objective as possible and just kind of look at like the whole case study of you know how we got to this point. And, what's transpired during the season and looking forward as far as options for Josh. And uh, I think it'll be a good, healthy conversation uh, because it's something that I kind of get angsty about uh, because I I, I don't, you know, I just don't think, (laughs) I don't think the buzz is warranted. And more importantly, I don't think that's fair to Josh. Like, because now you're setting it, best prospects since Cam Newton and you know, number one <laughs> overall player since December of last year. And you watch him play and it's like, I, I, I don't see it. But before I start getting off on a tangent, Joe, we have to acknowledge this is 190 days away from the 2018 NFL draft. Did I get that number correct? You this do. Is, uh, your producer finally trusted me to make one of these number calls. So I'm excited. I'm, bringing, I'm uh, excited. Your first number. My first number. Yeah, 190. Uh, there are no real standout players selected at the 190th slot in, in NFL draft history. So I elected to go with a player who weighed in at the NFL Combine who weighed 190 pounds. And that's 
return man, wide receiver, corner, whatever the heck you want to call him, wherever they played him, Devin Hester of the U. Joe, uh, Hester weighed 190 pounds at the Combine and then went on and proceeded to score 20 special teams touchdowns throughout the course of his career, which he spent with the Chicago Bears, Atlanta Falcons, and Baltimore Ravens. 156 total games. This is pretty amazing. Uh, Devin scored 16 receiving touchdowns, a rushing touchdown, uh, five kick return touchdowns, 14 punt return touchdowns, and a missed field goal return for touchdown. Uh, In his first two years in the league, he scored a grand total of 11 special teams touchdowns in two years. That's just an incredible impact on the game of football from the third component of the game that everybody typically takes for granted because you don't find a lot of impact players that are able to make the kind of difference that Devin Hester was able to make over the course of his 10-year career. Hall of Famer, Cal? Oh, absolutely. Ooh, okay. Fire. I mean, like Daryl Green, right? Daryl Green was a big special teams guy. He played corner. He's a pretty good corner with the Redskins back in the day. But from what I remember, he really made his headway with the ball in his hands. And you look at Hester, like, I don't think anybody's ever going to sniff 20 special teams returns touchdowns. No. No, For the historic impact that he had on the game and how unparalleled his impact was, yeah, I think Devin Hester's a Hall of Famer. I have a weird Devin Hester memory for you, and it actually dates back to last year. Uh, The Bills played Baltimore opening week 2016 season, and uh, Devin Hester signed with, the Ravens, I think just before the season. Yeah. And, and I remember him lining up to take the opening kickoff of the season and they did a close up on him and he's got the fangs mouthpiece cover on. And I'm like, shit, he's going to score a touchdown on the bills on the opening kickoff of the year. Like I was legitimately afraid at age 33 that this guy was going to house one. You know what I mean? I think that really kind of speaks to, you know, his yeah. his impact on football, and uh, I agree, man. I don't think you can tell the story of, of football without mentioning Devin Hester and the impact that he had over the course of his, what, 10-plus seasons. He's he's special, and even in his worst, most washed-up day, he was still scary to me. Yeah. Do you, do you remember when he housed the kickoff of the Super Bowl against the Colts oh, that yeah. year? Oh, yeah. What a, what a great... Like that, that for me is like a wet field and and he just, he was in a whole different gear in comparison to everybody else on the field. And, uh, that, that's one of my, might not be his most memorable because they didn't end up winning the game. Uh, but, but I definitely will always remember that kickoff return from, from that Super Bowl, uh, as a big memorable play. Anytime I hear the name Devin Hester. Kyle, nicely done on your uh, your first number, man. You, Thank with you. The, well, it's a lot of responsibility. It's a yeah. lot of responsibility. I feel like I, I had to to make sure it was warranted. Oh, you you came through. Well done, sir. So the the main the the uh, the meat and potatoes today is getting into this Josh Allen discussion, and it's going to be really fun because Kyle and I come from two very different 
originations of our takes on Josh Allen. I was very much somebody who watched a ton of him. I watched seven of his games over the summer, and I entered this season, and I said that this is the best quarterback in the class, and I'll own that. And uh, Kyle was never there. Never at one point were you bullish at all about Josh Allen's prospects. So as of right now, kudos to you. But um, what I want to talk about to start this discussion, Kyle, is why I thought he was the number one quarterback entering this class. And be mindful of me saying I never said he was the number one overall type player. I just thought when we talked about this, actually, I think we recorded that podcast on my back deck. And and I was forced with picking my guy. And I said, right now you have to pick one. Pick Who would you pick? And I picked Josh Allen. Uh, it wasn't because I read an article on a, on a media outlet that said, meet the number one overall pick in the draft. And, you know, this guy's the next Cam Newton or whatever buzz and praise went into it. I watched the tape and I came away thinking to myself, this is one of the most physically gifted quarterbacks I've ever seen. He's 6'5", 240. He's got an arm that can fit the football between any passing window and his ability to get outside the pocket and make throws was special. His ability to hang in the pocket and and under duress and, and hang in there and make throws I thought was outstanding. And I understand that there was some mixed results when he released the football and what happened, you know, when the ball arrived to its desired location. But in my mind, as as a scout, you know, we're not talking about a finished product. This is a player who has another season uh, to kind of iron out some of his deficiencies. And I bought into the to the possibility that he would, and that those physical traits would be so overwhelming that this would be a player worth the high selection and a guy that profiles as a really special quarterback at the next level. Um, I think that obviously he's not played anywhere near warranting that type of hype but I didn't go into this with a with a an opinion that derived from nothing I put in the work I liked what I saw I banked on him improving and it didn't happen and so here we are and I'll turn I'll turn it over to you right and I think that's an important piece to to kind of notate and that's why we approach scouting assessments the way that we do right when we we look at players and we look in advance of their senior year or their final season. And, and Joe, with NDT scouting, we always do it just for seniors uh, because a lot of these you know, pathways to becoming the ultimate finished product that they are as far as what NFL teams are going to be assessing and looking at, that projection's never you know, equal between two players. So for Josh, somebody who who does have – Oh, pretty impressive uh, athletic abilities and, and arm talent. and you, know, you take his 10 best throws and put him up there against anybody's, he's, you're going to have a hard time not giving the nod to Josh's 10 best throws. And, and I understand there's a whole school of thought about scouting and, and talent allocation and, and player assessment that says, you know, if he can do it once, he can do it all the time. And you, your coach's job is to, to show him the guy that can do it two times out of ten and tell him, make him do it nine times out of ten. That's your job as a coach. Uh, but I think the unfortunate reality is it's it's never really that easy, right? You, know, you wouldn't see busts. 
if that was the case. And with, with Josh, um, I just didn't feel like he was, he was ready. There was too much that required too much improvement, too many things about his game that required too much improvement for me to buy in. And, you know, not, uh, and I don't want to sandbag on what his 2016 film was, but his 2017 films just as bad, if not worse, as far as standing in the pocket and throwing with anticipation and putting the ball in tight windows and doing so effectively. And uh, obviously, the the struggles against top end competition are are very well documented. Um, he was 32 for 64. He completed 50 percent of his passes in two games. Uh, against Power 5 competition this year, Iowa and Oregon did not throw a touchdown pass in either game and had uh, just barely over 220 yards passing in those two games combined. He went 9-24 against Oregon this year, averaged 2.7 yards per attempt. Uh, And I understand some of this is the case that's around him as far as the, the, the cast that he's working with. But if you're as good of a player as you're being billed as being, and you're playing Gardner-Webb and Hawaii and Texas State, I'm expecting better than 9 of 19 in an overtime win for 92 yards, which is what he did against Hawaii. I don't care what your supporting cast is like. If you're as good as it says that you are, you should be dominating on a weekly basis. And we have not seen that from Josh last year and you're not seeing it from Josh this year. So Kyle, you know, you really kind of dug into some of his shortcomings this year, which are very obvious and it's a fair criticism to, to mention the supporting cast because, you know, as bad as maybe Lamar Jackson's supporting cast is, you know, they're still ACC football players. These guys at Wyoming are probably going to be insurance salesmen one day, but I think there is a level of expectation based on the way he was billed for him to be able to transcend those players and still be very productive. So I think a lot of the, I guess the, the, the desire to be overzealous with your position. And I'm not saying you are or aren't. I'm just saying when you come from your position and, and you're being fed this, this is the next Cam Newton. This is the number one player. He's, unbelievable and you yourself don't agree and you always didn't agree and that it didn't happen, then it's even further accentuated his shortcomings because of the supporting cast and more of an expectation is built for him to be able to overcome that. And I think that's one of the more frustrating parts for me as I've seen this all evolve and and come together is that there's this ridiculous desire, I think, from a lot of people that do what we do to be first on a player and, and then never, uh, never really understanding that's a fluid process and that as more information becomes available, that you don't have to continue to plant your flag on that hill. Like he's not played well. And that's where I'm at. Right. So I was that guy that came in and said, this is really exciting talent. This, and I'm now a guy that says, Oh my God, like he's not anything that I thought he would be, can become. And, and his concerns are very real. And, I backing way off, you know, he's not one of my top three or four or five quarterbacks right now, but it's really unfortunate where we started because it's, 
it makes it disappointing why we're still here, it seems, right. with a lot of uh, people who do what we do. Right. So you set the bar that high. And it's not even that the people that do what we do don't understand that this is a fluid process. Sometimes I think it's more about the, the people that consume what we do. Well, the, the college football fans, the NFL fans, the draft fans, a lot of times – how often, Joe, do you get somebody in your mentions citing something that you said two years ago about a player when he was <laughs> like is, a sophomore or a junior, yeah. and they're dogging you for what you said about him when it, it, it's it's not the, the the book's not finished yet until he's done. Like I was, for me, for example, I was very very hard on Dak Prescott where Dak's a junior at Mississippi State, and we're a month into his season, and it's like. It's a right-handed Tim Tebow. It's just, it's how he looked. He didn't throw with a lot of anticipation. He was point and shoot. He was a one-read passer. And then, lo and behold, the light bulb goes on for him. He has a great senior season. I end up evaluating. I give him an early day three value. And uh, he, he steps in with the Dallas Cowboys and plays tremendous. But uh, if somebody were to go back and check the receipts that I had from twenty. 15 on Dak Prescott, you, know, you could very easily get on my case about it. But that it's it's a fluid process, Joe, as you said. So um, when you set the bar as high as this guy could be this year's number one overall pick, if he comes back to school, he'll be guaranteed to be next year's number one pick with more development and um, – it's it, it hasn't manifested itself that way, and I think sometimes it's hard to step back down, you know, away from that. But I think what's so interesting is the people that we continue to hear uh, have a lot of NFL backing. You, know, you, you saw a lot of the NFL Network guys go to bat for Josh Allen just as recently as the beginning of the month, talking about how the NFL folks that they talk to still love him and they love his upside and so on and so forth. And but it's 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 all that at this point. It's all upside. You know, I think an interesting, you know, kind of foil for Allen, and we're talking about supporting cast, is look at what Carson Wentz did at FCS level, where he uh, completed 64% of his passes, uh, almost 400 completions in 612 attempts, averaged 8.4 yards per attempt uh, for over 5,000 yards in his career. Obviously, he only started 23 games, but he threw 45 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. Uh, when you play at that level, oh, plus he rushed for 1,000 yards and 13 rushing touchdowns in his career. So um, when you play at that level, uh, no, you're not going to be playing with a lot of NFL caliber guys. But Carson still went out there and, and went on the FCS level uh, with an FCS supporting cast and, and performed very well. And statistically speaking, had his way with a lot of guys. And uh, you look at what, what Josh is doing this year, completing 57% of his passes, and last year completing 56% of his passes. And um, it, it's you're, you're not seeing the same dominating effect that you would expect to see from a top prospect, regardless of where you're playing. So... Uh, Again, just to kind of wrap up that point that Joe, that you, you kind of finished with, um, I, I think sometimes you get 
the bar set at a certain level and the expectation stays there. And then from a consumer standpoint, um, that expectation kind of, it sets the tone too much and too few people are willing to be flexible with that expectation moving down from that spot. Kyle, let me uh, put you on the spot here. And I really like the foundation of this discussion, talking about the roots of it why we're still here, and I want to get into in a minute you know, what we want to do with Josh Allen going forward because we have some pretty interesting talking points on that. But as an evaluator, I want to, I want to ask you this. You know, you're somebody that's been low on Luke Falk. You've been low on Josh Allen. At the same time, there are people connected with the NFL oh, sure. that are very much – high on those players and I'll, I'll name names albert breer daniel jeremiah matt miller those guys are connected with the nfl speak to front office people and they like those people how do, what do you do with that information kyle i mean you are you are on the other side of the of the uh the spectrum on this does that influence you at all do you does it matter to you that even though you see you see you have one completely different side of this that there are people that get paid a lot of money to decide on these players that are seeing the opposite of you what do you do with that guy well i think the the luxury it's a double edged sword i'll i'll put it that way to start um when you talk to people that have the access that nfl personnel has where they can sit down and talk to these guys and um you get a chance to know the player like, do you remember everybody raving about Davis Webb last fall yeah. or last spring? Yeah. Talking about, oh, Davis Webb's a coach's son, and he's an X's and O's guru, and he's super smart. And you know, Everybody kind of fell in love with the fact that Davis Webb was like a coach's son, and he, he really knew the X's and O's portion of the game. I think the people that love Josh Allen uh, are having the opportunity to get close to him and speak with him, and I, I think he's very – it sounds like he's a very engaging individual. And he's he's a good kid, like a genuinely good kid, uh, really passionate about football from everything that I've I've heard and heard people say about him. Uh, and I think that influence kind of, you know, you know he's young, you know he's green, you know he's got great talent, you know he's got this great head on his shoulders. So you you want to connect those dots. And for me personally... I mean, I would love to sit down and talk with Josh and put him on the film room and ask him, you know, what do you see here and, and what makes you make this decision? And if you could do this over again, how would you change this play and how would you approach it differently? But I, I, I don't have that opportunity with where I'm at. So I don't get the opportunity to see Josh, the person, and, and Josh, the football player in preparations like some of these other guys do. But I can see the on-the-field product and understand – and not get cross-eyed sometimes with, you know, the the other stuff that's there with him as a player, and just look at the on-the-field product and say, if you want to take this to the first round, please be my guest, and my franchise will go take somebody else. So I I think that's really where the disconnect is when you always hear people that are connected to the NFL, whether they're highly highly ranking personnel people or or people that are in the media that have the opportunity to talk to players like a Josh Allen um, individually as a person. Um, I, I think that's why I can kind of 
firmly draw that line in the stand and be and be comfortable with my personal stance in comparison to those people that do um, do what we do also professionally and do so uh, for some pretty big media corporations and NFL franchises. Let me ask you one more question. Do you understand it though? So two twofold here. Like, do you understand the appeal from the NFL side of things? Maybe it is exactly what you just outlined that the exposure to him as a person influences them. You know, you, wow, this is a great guy. He can throw a football as good as Jesus Christ. You know, like uh, this, this is the, does that make sense to you? Like, do you understand the appeal? And then do you, would you also understand the appeal of somebody who uh, doesn't have that information that still likes Josh Allen? Yeah, I can understand why it influences people. Um, but with anything you do, anytime you are assessing, whether it's players or, or anything else, you know, there, there are going to be, conscious and subconscious biases that show up with what you do. And and if he really is someone who consistently leaves you with a positive vibe, um, I, I think that can kind of allow you to look past some of the on the field flaws. And the, the unfortunate reality is there's been nice guys that have not worked out in football. There's been guys that haven't worked out in football because they've had self-destructive habits. But there's also been nice guys who have not worked out in football because, you know, you have to be wired a certain way. You know, you, you have to see the game a certain way. You know, you can be as, oh, Chad Henning's a good example. Chad, you know, I know Chad uh, from, from high school. And Chad's a great guy. Uh, Chad does a lot of great work in our local community. Uh, he, he married his high school sweetheart. But... You put Chad on the football field, and Chad's at the at that level, at that high level, is very robotic, and he doesn't see the field and see the game with the necessary comfort and composure and you know artistic understanding of the game and what's taking place in order to have great success and, and be a successful NFL player. So I, I think that's kind of where I would. You know, quantify and relate it to to somebody that I do know that made it to the NFL level that that didn't necessarily pan out. No, he's certainly doing very well for himself as a backup, collecting millions million dollar game checks from the the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, every every couple weeks. He's getting a million dollars, but um, no, he's a, he's a good guy. He's a great guy, and it it just because you're a great guy doesn't mean you're going to work out in the National Football League. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. So, Kyle, we've we've exhausted, I think, the discussion as to the how and why we're here. Now we got to kind of get into what do we do with Josh Allen. And we spent some time thinking about this individually and you know, there's two options, right, which we'll get into. 
one, well, there's three, no, there's three options. He can stay at Wyoming and play next year. He's a redshirt junior. That's a possibility. He can graduate and transfer to another university and start next year. He can declare for the NFL draft and assuming he graduates, which we all indications are that he will, he'll be eligible for the senior bowl. So those are his three options. And I think we can right off the bat rule out that this is not a player that could just return to Wyoming next year and play. Are we, are, do we need to spend a lot of time there? Or no, I, I, I just think if you're looking at, at how he's going to optimize his value as a, a potential NFL right. draft selection and a prospect, you know, the environment that he is in is not really going to, culti- to cultivate itself very well for him doing anything to change his value from where it's at right now. Right. So I guess I, I'll go first here. This is what I'd love to see Josh Allen do. I'd love to see him be a grad transfer and go to University of Michigan and play with Jim Harbaugh. Uh, there's so many great things that could work well for Josh. Now, here's the overwhelming thing we have to keep in mind. If he grad transfers and then sucks, well, then he just is what he is, right? But what you do, you go to Michigan and play with Jim Harbaugh in the Big Ten. The the supporting cast stuff gone. It's gone, right? You got to stand and deliver. Um, you play with Jim Harbaugh, who has a really good track record, maybe not so much recently, uh, of working with quarterbacks and maximizing their talent. And one of the, my favorite things about Josh Allen that um, led to me being high on him going into the season was the obviously the size, the physical ability, but that he played in a pro system at Wyoming. And so by going to Michigan, you preserve that pro style system for him to operate in. And, you know, you get rid of those spread conversations that we just have to talk about with other quarterbacks, like we did with Jared Goff and Mason Rudolph right now and others that, you know, that's an exhaustive list, but keeping the pro style system, working with Jim Harbaugh, you have a young offense at Michigan right now. So, I don't think there's going to be a lot of turnover. So the players around him will be established in the system. And so it's just a matter of plugging in Josh, him learning the playback and getting playbook and getting acclimated with the people around him. It's not like, you know, it's not like Lamar Jackson this year when he was one of four returning starters. Right. Um, I think it'd be a great environment, right? The competition is good and he could prove himself against big 10 all year long. And so it's a great opportunity for him to answer Many of the questions that we have get a year with uh, with Jim Harbaugh and get a year um, continuing to play in a pro style system. I think it'd be a slam dunk. That'd be the, for me. If I'm Josh Allen, if there's any way that I could do that, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. So um, I, I think the grad transfer route is brilliant because it oper- uh, affords him the opportunity to, as you said, Joe, really just cross a, a massive concern completely off the list. Where you talk about you know level of competition and and the supporting cast around him, and now you're taking you know, this very enticing physical skill set and a starting experience, whether it's it's high production starting experience or not, still starting experience, and you're giving him the opportunity. Uh, working with Harbaugh is genius, and um, you know I, I've come up with two schools of my own that I think would be good candidates. You know I I certainly think going back and playing another year of college football at this point in time is what's in Josh Allen's best interest. So the first school that I do want to talk about, um, 
is contingent on the player that is there leaving, which I think is a very real possibility. I think we'll continue to see that traction maybe start to build as we get closer and closer to December, January. Um, Joe, you, you took a very QB friendly approach to where Josh Allen should go. And I did the same thing, but I came at it from a different angle. If Will Greer leaves West Virginia, he'll be 23 years old on draft day this year. He'll, he'll turn 23 at the beginning of April. If Will Greer has a strong season and chooses to leave West Virginia, I would love to see Allen's athletic ability and Allen's big-time arm playing in Dana Holgerson's offense. Now, Geno Smith came out of this offense, and and Geno played well enough to get drafted in the second round. So with Allen having the reputation that he does, uh, the NFL has shown it's willing to make a selection there out of an offense like this if you have the NFL traits, if you have what they're willing to buy into. Well, we already know the NFL is willing to buy into what Josh Allen has as a baseline package. And you put him in an offense that's going to ask him to throw the ball 45 times a game, use that big-time arm and throw it down the field. Will Greer is pretty effective getting outside the pocket and getting off script and making some things happen and holding on to the ball. I would argue that's probably Josh Allen's best trait right now at Wyoming. So you look at what he does well. You look at potential teams that he could fall and land with that will complement what he does well and really give you a chance to amplify it on a bigger stage. And I think West Virginia would be a home run there with Dana Holgerson if Wilger capitalizes on a strong 2017 and declares for the 2018 NFL draft. Yeah, so I guess the issue that I would take with your proposal is that it does get him out of a pro-style system. And what I liked about Michigan was that it was going to force him to it was going to force him to really tap into all aspects of playing quarterback at the next level and and where I, I think that the, the production we've got better at West Virginia I still think the opportunity to overcome his flaws is greater at Michigan although I, I completely understand your 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 viewpoint on that yeah can I cut you off real quick of course. Uh, I, I definitely don't disagree with you that, that working with Harbaugh is the trump card of going to Michigan. Uh, with him uh, being as renowned as he is uh, for, for getting the most out of quarterbacks, absolutely. Uh, but again, the angle that I'm taking at looking at West Virginia is it's not necessarily the system. It's what does he do good? And you look at... Mm-hmm what Greer does good and, and what Dana wants out of a quarterback and even freaking Skyler Howard's at quarterback for West Virginia last year. And he's putting up respectable numbers. So now you take a guy with uh, the big time arm, you take a guy with the big time athletic ability and you no know, NFL teams know he can process a pro style offense because he's processed a pro style offense and worked in a pro style offense for the last two years. So if you're at least willing to give him credit and credit him for his experience working in a pro-style playbook, now I just want to see the guy throw the freaking ball. Make some reads, throw the ball down the field, use your arm talent, and make the most of it. So so here's what happens, though, under your plan, is that this massive cloud now forms above Josh Allen that says it took Dana Holgerson's spread-style system for him to produce. And I don't think that's something he – that's not anything – he doesn't need anything else, you know what I mean, to have to overcome. And I think that that cloudies it. 
Well, I mean, look at Patrick Mahomes out of Texas Tech. It's a similar offense. It's a similar passing offense. If you've got the traits, the NFL doesn't care. Understood, but he's always been in that system, right? So he he's not effective right now in a pro-style system. Okay. Put him in a spread system and all of a sudden he's effective. Big question mark comes. Do you have another team? Iowa. But I, I don't need to spend a whole lot of time talking oh, so about you, the reasons you, you why. You just want to play him under center, have him hand the ball off 30 times a game and be done with it. No, I want him to continue to play in pros concepts. Systems like Iowa get C.J. Beathard drafted in the third round, Kyle. Because he's a coach's son and he's an X's and O's guy. And right. He knows that, yeah. <laughs> right. I'm trying to maximize this opportunity for Josh Allen, and you see the angle that I'm coming from. And maybe yours is a little more aggressive and it, it could be more exciting. But for Josh Allen, I think – Blending in with the pro-style offense, executing it, doing normal stuff well, and and doing what's going to be asked of him at the next level is paramount. I just want him to go to another system and say that, okay, he had to, he had the, needed the system to be able to produce. Now, what if he goes to Matt Cannon's offense in LSU and goes uh, down that, there? That could be our happy medium. Okay, yeah, so this is where, you know, Canada – uh, he's got some some sexiness to his playbook. He, he's got a fun playbook. Uh, you know he's going to be playing with premier talent offensively. The only thing LSU has not had for the past decade is a quarterback, right? Like they, they can recruit offensive linemen and running backs like crazy and wide receivers with Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry coming through there. And uh, you know that, that the ability is there for them to land high-caliber talents Everywhere else, you know, he can still play under center. He's going to be playing the best of the best every single week. So it's the greatest opportunity that he'll possibly have to showcase his ability against top talents in the country, playing SEC defenses every week, getting a chance to play Florida and Alabama and Auburn and these and Georgia and these types of schools week in and week out, playing under center, playing in a pro-style offense, an offense that – allowed Nate Peterman to look very good. I don't think there's any question Josh Allen has much better traits and athletic ability and arm talent than Nate Peterman, who's kind of got just your baseline level arm. So a school like LSU, Joe, if you if you really want to you know, kind of make a move without opening any other windows to allow a draft to come in from somewhere else and raise other concerns, well, you know, I'd lean LSU. So I think it's pretty clear. If you, My first choice is Michigan. Your first choice is West Virginia. But if you locked the two of us in a room and said we couldn't come out until we agreed, it's going to be LSU. And I, I very much agree with your angles there. And uh, I think that's that's a very good happy medium uh, between the two of our, our points. Now, Kyle, I went first on on uh, talking about the background. I went first on the college uh, angle. Why don't you go first here on – you know, the senior bowl possibility and him just, you know, coming out, this being done, his last college football was played at Wyoming and him going to the senior bowl and what, what could or could not happen from that. Sure. Well, um, you know, just before we do, I'll, I'll throw one more nugget out here for LSU. Their quarterback now is a graduate tra- or a, a transfer. Yeah, so, Etling, so, yeah. So with Danny Etling there, you know, he's he's transferred, played the last two years after going to Purdue. So uh, this isn't necessarily unprecedented territory talking about transferring in a quarterback from another program so I'll leave it there senior bowl so what what good can come out of the senior bowl 
Well, everybody's going to get a chance to sit down in a room and talk with Josh Allen. And he's going to get a chance to go out on the practice field every single day and showcase his arm. It's not about completion percentage at the Senior Bowl. It's not about, you know, not taking sacks at the Senior Bowl. It's about how you handle the stage and how you look amongst your peers in the, in the tasks you're asked to do. So going to the senior bowl, handling that stage. Well, I would argue the senior bowl was probably the biggest instrument to Carson Wentz going number two overall, looking and seeing how he handled that stage, the personality that he put on display, the leadership that he put on display, the guys from North Dakota state FCS program. And he is the first guy to every drill. He's the guy that's breaking the huddle. He owned the week. His personality was too big to ignore. And from a small school like that, stepping into that atmosphere and getting that done and, and doing it the way in which Carson Wentz did, you know, I again, I would argue that that's what landed Carson so highly up and made him so coveted to the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, um, there's very little that you can do at the Senior Bowl, because people understand you're throwing a guys for the first time. You know, you're, these aren't receivers you've worked with every single day for the past three or four years of your life. Um, if the ball hits the ground, if you guys aren't in sync, it's okay. How do you interact with the coaches? How do you take to coaching? Um, I would argue the worst thing that you can do is receive a Senior Bowl invitation and turn it down. Uh, you, you've heard uh, historically over the course of the past couple years um, – the Senior Bowl director, Phil Savage, is not afraid to put a guy on blast if he feels like he has better things to do than, than come to the Senior Bowl. You know, he, he uh, put some heat on Connor Cook for electing to pass on the Senior Bowl uh, when he had the opportunity to come down here and compete. And uh, so I think if Josh ends up uh, entering this year's NFL draft and he gets his degree on time and he receives the invitation to attend the Senior Bowl, I think it would be a no-brainer for him to I mean, for him to come down and compete. Yeah, no no question. That would be an absolute must. If Josh Allen declares for the 2018 NFL Draft, the prerequisite has to be that he goes to Mobile, Alabama, uh, because short of that, you know, I think he's making a big decision to not continue playing college football. You mentioned Carson Wentz. That was... I mean, it's one of the most memorable weeks of my life, just seeing him take over that town. You know, that was, it was a buzz like, you know, just couldn't believe it. You couldn't talk to anybody. You couldn't rub elbows with anybody with Carson, without Carson Wentz being part of that conversation. And certainly if Josh Allen could replicate that, and I don't know that anybody ever could, that would be monumental for him. But I still think the grad transfer route would be the best. Um, the only thing is that it could backfire, right? If if his if his uh, stock is what some of the media leads us to believe it is, then maybe the Senior Bowl is the best for him, at least on a short-sighted point of view, where he can maximize his draft stock, have a great week, get drafted high, make a ton of money, flake out. But if there's a long-term possibility here, maybe – the grad transfer, prove yourself. 2017 was a fluke. Go do the senior bowl and everything next year and just prove it, earn it. You're the best quarterback. Go show everyone that you're the best. 
And um, certainly a lot of interesting options. I'm glad we're having this conversation here in the middle of October, and it'll be interesting to see how it all unfolds. And um, I'll tell you this, man, I don't root against anybody, and it's disappointing what's happened with Josh Allen, and maybe it's 100% his fault. But uh, I certainly hope that he's able to tap into those physical gifts and, you know, rediscover his quarterbacking skills or, you know, deliver on his quarterbacking upside because, uh, you know, I, I just I, – I don't root against people. And so I, I certainly hope that it comes together for the young man. Yeah, and I think that's a fair thing to wrap with is is I've been pretty vocal as far as the course of the season and even going back into the summer as far as, you know, not really buying in on the hype surrounding Josh – but it's. I, I think it is important to know I'm rooting for Josh. I'm rooting for every single guy that gets an opportunity to make the jump to the NFL level and live out their dream. Now, how can you not root for that? You'd have to be a really bitter person to to root against somebody successfully living their dream. Um, and again, my, my exception with you know, the, the narrative that has become Josh as a draft prospect is so much more centered, and I think it's been misplaced. Um, because as we said when we first started this conversation, when you set the bar that high, that's almost impossible to meet. And then, you know, after a full summer of getting a chance to sit down and and, and watch him play the game from 2016, you know, we start throwing around comparisons like Cam Newton, best quarterback prospect since Cam Newton. That's uh, it's it's just so outrageously. I don't want to say inaccurate because he's a gifted player, but I don't know how you watch him on the field and say, yeah, that's that's Cam Newton. He, he's got his own strengths and weaknesses. He's got his own improvements that he needs to make. He's got his own personality. He's got his own field presence. It's, it's, it's just, I don't know. And it gets me frustrated to continue for us to have to have this conversation about a player that um, – Everything that he's been able to accomplish um, has suggested that you know maybe maybe we shouldn't be talking like this about this kid just yet. But yet, you know, the NFL personnel and and the the bigger media guys that that are plugged in, you know, everybody keeps assuring them, yeah, yeah, stay in on Josh, stay in on Josh. He's going to be a hit. Um, it, it's it just it's it feels like it's setting him up to fail. So I, I do give some pushback on that, not because I dislike Josh Allen or, or dislike the potential that Josh Allen can bring, because you'd have to be a fool to not see that he's, he's got a gifted arm. But um, so many of the conditions that he's under have to change before I feel like he's ripe to rise to that occasion. So I just think it's a little unfair for these expectations to be continue uh, to be discussed and, and placed upon him when... I just don't know how you can can look at what he's done and, and say it, it's realistic to ask him to do that. Oh, my friend, I've said for several weeks now, one of these days we're going to sit down and talk about Josh Allen, and I believe we can check that box. Uh, hell of a discussion, sir. Yeah, this is uh, 45 minutes of, of breaking down one of the more polarizing prospects in, in college football right now in the NFL draft realm, so we hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be back on Friday. We're going to be breaking down week eight of college football and uh, 
uh, looking at the prospect matchups to watch and who you guys need to stay aware of. So uh, make sure you hit that subscribe button, follow along with us throughout the course of the rest of the fall into the winter time. Uh, we got some big plans coming. Obviously, Joe and I are going to be doing our 300 reports as we do every year. So that's something for you guys to look forward to as well. Uh, if you have any questions, any follow-ups with something that we talked about today, or you want to hear us talk about another prospect that that you like or dislike or or are interested in learning more about, please feel free to reach out to us. You can reach Joe on Twitter. He is at the Joe Marino. I am on Twitter at NDT Scouting. You can also visit ndtscouting.com and see all of our best and latest. You know, we're putting stuff out on a daily basis regarding the NFL draft, whether that's game reports from the past week or or specific player notes or thoughts or quips or insider stuff that we're able to dig out from our time on the road. So lots of great stuff for you guys to check out over there. We highly encourage you to do so. I am Kyle Crabb signing off with Joe Marino. We will talk to you on Friday. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. About 720 to 729, select styles only. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.